hey, we do not we do not have to tear down. So just want to remind you of that. Um, today is the last message on the Beatitudes. We made our way to the last two, and I've decided to combine the last two. Um, and so I've titled my message, kind of a little bit of both, but it says, my message is, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be persecuted. <laughs> so that's a combination of the last two. And we're going to start with the first one in Matthew, the fifth chapter, the ninth verse. Matthew, the fifth chapter, the ninth verse says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are peacemakers. And first of all, we need to understand that, you know, peace is something that comes from God and from God alone. You know, man, man's always seemingly searching for peace. Nothing necessarily wrong with that. Um, I think all of us would like peace. Um, I don't know about you, but don't you sometimes feel like you just, if I just had a little peace in my life, you know, if it just, just things would kind of smooth out a little bit, you know, and be at peace, it, that'd be good. And so, you know, I think we all desire peace and it's something we all sh- look for and nothing wrong with that. And we first of all need to understand that peace, true peace comes from God. True peace comes from him. In Philippians, the fourth chapter, the ninth verse. Paul says, The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace. And back in the seventh verse of that same chapter, he says, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So we see here that God is peace, and God wants to give peace. That the peace of God, you know, the peace of God passes all human understanding. That's that kind of peace that's there when nothing else seems to be peaceful. It's the kind of peace that's there when everything seems to be turbulent. You know, it doesn't say we're not going to have turbulence. It just says he will be there to give us the peace that passes all human understanding. And so we understand that, you know, when we accept Jesus... And we're justified by faith. The Bible says we have peace with God. So one of the biggest things as far as peace is, number one, having peace with God. You know, that we know that things are right between you and God. That gives you peace. Gives you peace, peace of mind, peace of heart. It gives you peace in the midst of a lot of times things we're going through. And I believe that God desires for us to have peace. Now, sometimes in the midst of everything you're going through, it might be hard to believe that, you know? And I think sometimes, for me, sometimes it's realizing that God's peace is peace in the midst of the storm. Now, I always kind of thought and kind of wished there was peace without a storm. See, that was my thought, you know? That God's peace means we'll just eliminate the storms and then we'll all be at peace, which is kind of a nice thought. But reality tells me that That's not the way it is. Reality tells me that it's peace in the midst of the storm. A peace that passes all human understanding. Something I can't really understand. Something that's that's not in my head, it's in my heart. And it gives me peace in the midst of whatever I'm going through. And so we see that, you know, God's got a peace and he wants us to have peace. He desires us to be at peace with people. In Romans, the 12th chapter, the 18th verse, Romans twelve eighteen says, If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. 
if it's possible, as much as it depends on you. In other words, God's desire is that we would be peaceable, that we would be peaceable as much as it depends on us. You know, sometimes when we think about peace, what do we think? Well, it's up to everybody else to be nice so that I have peace. You know, it's up to everybody else to do what they're supposed to do so that I can have some peace. But this says that as much as possible as it depends upon me, as it depends upon me, to live at peace with all men. And it gives us a few examples of how, that's, how that can happen. Up in verse 14 of Romans 12, it says, Bless those that persecute you. Bless and don't curse. That's a thought. Bless those that persecute you. Bless those that aren't nice to you. You know, don't, don't be lashing back at them or don't be trying to get even. But bless those that persecute you. You know, as much as it depends upon you. So that's my part. That's my part. As much as it depends upon me, I can bless those who persecute me. Verse 15, he says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I can get my focus off of me and I can start thinking about other people. And when somebody's rejoicing, I can rejoice with them, not thinking, well, I don't think they deserve that. I don't, why are they, why are they getting everything so good? How's come I don't get, you know, how's come I don't get that? I want to, you know, and we, we don't rejoice with those that rejoice sometimes very good. And sometimes we don't weep with those that weep. You know, we don't, we don't get involved with people enough sometimes to feel their pain, to feel their hurt, to understand what they're going through. You know, if you're going to be concerned about somebody and understand what they're going through, you've got to take time to listen. You've got to take time to listen to them. Sometimes I think it's difficult because sometimes we don't want to listen because we tend to want to straighten them out. We want to straighten everybody out. You know, we want to correct everybody. Instead of listening. You know, listen to what they're going through. Weep with those that weep. Rejoice with those that rejoice. Be concerned about others. Goes a long way to living at peace. As a matter of fact, I think it goes a long way to live at peace if you don't want to straighten everybody out. Doesn't give me much peace if I think I'm supposed to straighten everybody out. If I look at life around me and look at everything that's going on, if I think I'm supposed to straighten all that out, that doesn't give me any peace at all. You know, now I can have opportunity to share and I can have opportunity to share God's word, but that's not me trying to straighten things out. That's me sharing the truth with somebody and then allowing the Holy Spirit to work in their lives. And so I think a lot of times we need to do that. And again, I, I know I talk about it every once in a while, but you know, I just see a lot of people on social media that want to straighten everybody out. I just see a lot of people that want to, lots of opinions out there. And I'm like, you know, don't seem like that's all necessary. Doesn't seem like almost sometimes a waste of time to try to straighten everything out, everybody out. Verse 16, it says, be of the same mind toward one another. Don't set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Don't be wise in your own opinion. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to have an answer for everything. Sometimes I think 
you know, we can feel compelled to always have to have an answer. I've learned over the years when people ask a question, they're not always wanting my answer. I've learned that, you know. They're just asking a question, and that's what they want. Just, just throw the question out. They don't want my answer. And so I would just tell you to save yourself a lot of concern and effort. Don't always give your opinions, you know. Now, sometimes people really want to do, want to know an opinion, want to know what you think, and that's one thing. But, you know, you don't have to know it. You don't always have to have an answer. You don't have to always know everything about every situation. And it says, you know, be willing to be humble. Don't be wise in your own opinion. Don't think you've got all the answers. You know, as a matter of fact, my observation is the older I get, I've come to the conclusion God's got the answers and I don't. You know, and that just gets to be more apparent all the time. You know, that God's got the answers and I don't. When you're young, you think you got the answers and hope God agrees. You know, but as you get older, you realize, you know what? God knows he's got the answer and I just need to know what he says. And I don't have to have all the answers. And, you know, sometimes that discourages people. I don't know if that bothers you but uh, sometimes people we look for somebody to have all the answers sometimes a, a person we can grab hold of but i think it's something to be very careful of that we don't even portray ourselves as having all the answers but we know the one that does we know the one that does and then in verse 17 he says repay no one evil for evil have regard for good things in the sight of all men don't worry about keeping score don't worry about somebody getting ahead or somebody getting what you think they deserve. Because we none of us really should want what we deserve. You know. And so it's important that we don't think about getting even or keeping score. Train your children, train your children that you know it doesn't always have to be even. You know, at Christmas time, I, you know, I always think about somebody that told me something, and I think, was that person in this room? <laughs> 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 well, if you are, sorry. But um, I heard about somebody that kept track of how much they spent on their children, and they kept it down to the penny. Oh, my. Oh, my. What a terrible thing to put yourself through. But you're also teaching your children that everything's always even. I want to tell you something. Life isn't always even. You know? So it's okay. It's okay. We don't have to keep it all even. We don't have to keep score. We don't have to want to get even. We don't have to pay people back. We don't want to see them pay. I want to see them pay for that. You know, we don't have to do that. And if we do those things, it helps with our peace. It helps with our peace. You know, that we can, we can, as much as possible, live at peace with all men. You know, it's kind of a neat thought, as much as possible. You know, it doesn't say it's possible. It says as much as possible. It says we put the effort into it, and as much as possible, as it depends upon me, we can live at peace with all men. So, that's the good news. That's the good news. Now we're going to go to the next verse. Okay. And Jesus now goes on and he says in verse 10 in Matthew 5, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecute the prophets who were before you. So Jesus, it's interesting to me, he goes from live at peace with all men, and oh, by the way, blessed are you when you're persecuted. And they say all kind of bad things about you, and, and it's like, wait a minute. We just went from peace to now, it's like, now we're in conflict. Now, all of a sudden, we're in a different situation. And it's almost like, well, how can that be? Won't everybody like me? If I, if I do those other things and I try to live at peace with all men, won't everybody like me? After all, isn't that what we kind of want? You know, we like, you know, we want people to like us. Isn't that what we always put at the bottom of our Facebook? Like, you know, I like what you said. Oh, that's neat. You know, we want everybody to like us. So here's the big question. What happened? What happened that now I'm going to get persecuted? What happened now that people are going to revile me? Should I, should I want to be at peace at all costs? Should I want to be at peace with everybody as much as I at all costs? And I think we see clearly that it's not at all costs. You know, that it's not at all cost. Sometimes we're going to do things that's not going to necessarily lead to being at peace with everybody because it says that we're going to be persecuted and we're going to be reviled and people are going to say things about us. In Matthew, the 10th chapter, it almost seems contradictory, but it's, I mean, it's not. But in Matthew, the 10th chapter, Jesus says in the 34th verse, don't think that I came to bring peace on the earth. Now, this is the one that said, blessed are the peacemakers, right? He says, don't think that I came to bring peace on earth. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be in those in his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Wow. What happened to blessed are the peacemakers? Well, I think clearly Jesus says there's things that we can't compromise on. And there's things that will happen that is going to cause divisions. You know, not that we're out looking for it, not that we're out trying to make something happen, but Jesus is saying it's going to happen. He says, you know, it's going to come right down into your family sometimes. You know, it's going to be right down the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace is saying, he didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. And it's going to divide families at times. What is it? What is it? Why? It's because of what we believe and who we believe in. If you think that believing in Jesus Christ is not going to bring division, you're just kidding yourself. You're just kidding yourself. It will bring division. It will cause divisions because the world a lot of times doesn't want to hear it. If somebody has, has an experience where they come to the Lord and all of a sudden they're in a family and the rest of the family is not Christian and one person comes to the Lord, it causes stirs. 
Because all of a sudden, one person starts to live a different life. And what usually happens is the rest of the family goes, no, 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 don't be doing that. No, you don't need to do, you know, they try to talk you out. Don't be doing that. You don't need to, don't be so radical. You know, yeah, you can go to church, but don't be so radical. Don't start making life changes. Don't start doing things that are different because it makes me look bad is what they're really saying. What they're really saying is maybe I should, but I don't want to. So please don't you do that. And so then it starts to cause division. Our convictions, what we believe, what we believe, what we're willing to stand for. The things we're willing to take a stand for. You know, you think about what am I willing to really take a stand for? What am I really willing, what am I willing to die for? What am I willing to do? Remember, well, I remember when I, we were kids, you know, they trick you, but they used to trick you into singing songs. And you say words you probably didn't mean, and then later on you think about it. There was a, there was a little chorus that you, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though no one joins me, Still, I will follow. And, you know, we sang that. Oh, that's a nice little song. Until you realize the implication. The implication is that I will do this if nobody else follows. If nobody else does what I do. If nobody else believes what I believe, I will do this. And Jesus now says, even to the point of being persecuted. Now, for us, now, I understand there's people in this world that are dying. They're giving their lives for this. Now, I, I can tell you that because it's true, but for us, that's not where we're at yet. Could come. But right now, we don't have to die at this point. But when we take our stands, we're going to be reviled. People are going to talk about us. People are going to say things. They're going to think you're too religious. They're going to think you're radical. They're going to say all kinds of things about you. They may not say it to your face, you know, but they can say things. One of the things I think is important for us as Christians is I don't think we should glory in that and, and almost make it like, well, you know, I think we should try to be at peace with all people in the midst of that. And don't don't get snobby or, you know, lash back at people, but just, you know, maintain a good witness, be at peace in the midst of when that when that can happen. Um, a lot of times, you know, young people nowadays, you know, with the stands the world takes on a lot of different subjects, if you stand for godly truth, you're looked down upon. I mean, you know, you're going to go to school and you're going to make decisions about papers you write and grades you're going to get because if you write a paper that's contrary to what the professor thinks, they, some of them will grade you accordingly. And that's just a reality and you've got to decide, you know. Am I, am I going to take a stand or am I not? Or, or how am I going to present myself? How does God want me to, to do in this situation? And we have to decide. We have to decide, what am I going to do? Am I going to obey God? Am I going to follow him? 
Is that more important to me than being at peace with everybody? See, blessed are the peacemakers, but it doesn't mean I'm going to be at peace with everybody. You know, as much as it depends upon me, I, I can want to live at peace and I can try, but that doesn't mean it's always going to happen. And I think sometimes we have to understand that. We have to understand that, you know, that's the stand we need to take. In John, the 15th chapter, the 18th verse. Jesus says, no longer do I call you servants for us. Oh, excuse me. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. You know, Jesus told his disciples a lot of things which I don't think they understood. He probably tells us a lot of things we really don't understand. So I don't know that we're any different than them. But it's interesting. He says, you know, if the world hates you, if people, if people look down on you and say things about you, well, they did it to me before they did it to you, Jesus said. You know, he's kind of like saying, well, he didn't say it this way. He's probably more compassionate, but he basically said, get over it. You know, get over it. You know? You know, if you go through something like Jesus did, if you take the abuse he took and go to a cross and die on a cross, you can pretty much say to people, get over it. You know? Oh, they said bad things about me. Nobody likes me. Somebody wasn't nice to me. You know, I think he would probably say, get over it. You know? And he says, you know, if they hated me, they're going to they're gonna hate you too. So, so just know that. So the reality is, the Bible says we will be persecuted. A question I had in myself was, so that if I'm not persecuted, what does that mean? Something to mull around in your mind. If you say, well, I'm not persecuted, then I think the question is, why aren't you? Jesus says, blessed are we when we are, so if we're not, is there something missing on my part? Am I not willing to take the stand? Am I not willing to, to stand out and say this is what I believe because I want people to know that I'm a Christian. I don't want people to think I'm different. I want them all to like me. So we maybe I ought to ask ourselves if we're not persecuted, hmm, maybe I'm not doing what I should because it says blessed are those who are persecuted. The other thing it says is, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. It doesn't count if you're persecuted for being dumb. It doesn't count if you're persecuted for saying bad stuff. It doesn't count if you're persecuted because you're not nice to people. That doesn't count. It says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For doing the right thing. For the right thing. Sometimes we might think we're persecuted when maybe we're just, you know, out there doing things we shouldn't. You know, I know, I know some, I know of some people who think that everybody's against them. You know, that's kind of like a persecution feeling. Everybody's against me. Nobody likes me. The world's out to get me. But they just keep doing bad stuff. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. It's for righteousness sake. It's for doing the right thing. It's for doing the godly thing. It's for doing God's will. 
is for taking a stand for truth when nobody else will. I personally believe that in the future, well, not even the future, now you take a stand for truth and you're going to be persecuted. You know, we're getting far enough, we're getting far enough away from the truth that you take a stand for truth and you're going to stick out. It's just we're there. You know, we're there. But we're called to, to take that stand. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, sake, for doing the right thing. And then maybe one hard part is, you know, they're going to accuse you falsely. They're going to say all kinds of evil things about you. So now you stand for truth, and now they're going to accuse you of something else. Then you're going to say they're going to say all kinds of things about you falsely for my sake, for his sake, falsely. Wow. Does anybody think that's not fair? Well, that's not fair. That's not fair. Fair is not a part of this, you know. Fair. I don't know. I don't even know what. I don't know what's fair. Jesus said, if they, if they did it to me, they're going to do it to you. So I guess that's fair. You know, think about it. Think about it. Well, it's not fair. Next time your kids say, well, that's not fair, have a little talk with them about what's fair. You know? Have a little talk with them about truth. What's true? What's really true? Is what's true what I think? You know, if I stand for what I think because of what I think is true, I'm right. I want to tell you something. The world, everybody thinks they're right. Everybody thinks they're right. You know, everybody's got an opinion and they're all right. And now the reason that is is because every man does what's right in his own eyes. We've gotten away from the truth. And once you get away from the truth, then everybody starts to establish what is true. And so now you've got a mess because I'm true and you're true and they're true. And so you, there's, it's all, we're all true within our own eyes. There is no truth. So if you start standing for what is true, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to stick out. They're going to say things about you. They're going to talk about you falsely. And here's our reaction. This is the best part. Our reaction in, the, in verse, verse 12 of, of chapter 5, it says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. So when all this happens and people say stuff about you, it gives you a time to go, oh, I am so thankful. Isn't that something? Wow. Yeah, wow. What does it take for me to get there? What does it take for me to get to a place where I can not just, not just buckle under and, and grin and bear it, but now I'm going to rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Exceedingly glad. I can't just be glad. I got to be exceedingly glad. I got to change my thinking. I got to change how I look at people and how they, I look at their reactions to what I do. And I got to start thinking about what? I got to start thinking about what does God want? I got to think about what does he want? Because it says my reward is where? It says my reward is in heaven. You're not going to get it here. 
you might get a thank you. You might get a nice job. You know, you might get a little bit of whatever, pat on the back. But your reward is not here. If you think your reward is here, you're not going to be willing to be persecuted. Because if my reward is here, then I want somebody to give me something. And this says that I'm going to do it and I'm going to rejoice and be exceedingly glad if I get nothing for it, if I'm reviled and spoke evil against because my reward isn't here, my reward is in heaven. That's a whole different thought process. That's a, that's a whole different way of looking at things. That we start to become more heavenly minded than earthly minded. We start to think more about what does God want and not what do people want. We start thinking more about pleasing him and not pleasing others. We start thinking more about sharing truth and not just opinions. And we think that, wow, Lord, help me, help me. Sometimes it's a jump from where we, we've probably come from. You know, if you got it really good and everything's going smooth, I, I personally think, I think personally we're coming out of a time when we've been blessed by God in this country. And so I think we're coming out of a time when we're all pretty happy, comfortable, things are good, life is good, everything's going good. I think we've entered an era where it's not that way. We're entering a time when it's not so good. We're entering a time when it's a little more conflicted. I was talking with different people this morning, you know. We're facing things we've never faced before. You know, I'm, I'm old enough, more than old enough sometimes, but I'm old enough to remember that, you know, when I was a kid, all I thought about was working, helping my dad, playing, visiting family, seeing people. That's about all I thought about. You know, life was just kind of good. Think about what your kids think about now. Think about what your kids are faced with. And tell me it's not more conflicted. You know, and I think what we've got to do is, we, you know, as a church, I think we've kind of got complacent. We need to start thinking different. You know, it's, it's not the same. Now, we can all, you know, we can all sit around and go, wow, let's talk about old times and how great it was and all. That's good. That's fun. But we also have to realize where are we at now? Where are we at now? We're at a different time. We're at a different time. You know, when I was a kid, you weren't persecuted for taking a stand for Christianity as much as you are now. You know, we could still pray in school. You know, we could still read the Bible in school. They actually they had Bible classes in school. They brought them into the school. You know, it's different now. The Gideons are persecuted because they can't even stand on the street in front of the school because that sidewalk is paid for by the United States government. And they can't hand out Bibles on that sidewalk. You don't think that's persecution? So they just have to think of different ways to reach the kids. But it's different. 
it's different. And I think as Christians, we need to realize, we need to realize where we're at and ask God for wisdom and realize that I think personally we're leaning towards more towards times of persecution. You know, we're probably at a time where it's verbal and it's, it's you know, do you really believe that? And people's, you know, talking. And, you know, there's some persecution in the schools and, you know, we can't say stuff and this and that and the other thing. I don't know. I'm not saying for sure. But if it keeps going, it'll come to a time of physical persecution. It'll keep, it'll keep escalating. Depends on, I don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, that would be the, the tendency. And so when we read these verses, you know, when we think about the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. We go, oh, yeah, I like peace. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me as a peacemaker. And we just won't read the next verse. We just won't read the fact that, oh, blessed are you when you're persecuted. Well, just know that when you are, you are blessed. You are blessed. And remember, your reward's in heaven. Your reward's in heaven. And it's not here. I think, I think that has to be first and foremost. If you think your reward's here, you're not going to take a stand and be persecuted. But the Bible says that we're blessed. We're blessed. We're blessed for being peacemakers, and we're blessed when we're persecuted. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. And Lord, help us remember that we can rejoice and be exceedingly glad. We don't have to be down in the mouth. We don't have to be discouraged. But Lord, we can rejoice and be exceedingly glad even when persecuted. That we don't have to have peace at all costs to be happy. But Lord, we just have to have peace with you and to know where true happiness comes from. Lord, we thank you that you are a rewarder of those that seek you. Lord, we just pray that you just uh, be with us, Lord. As we have opportunity to share, help us not to draw back for fear of what somebody might say. But Lord, help us be willing to share truth wherever we have opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us. Lord, I just pray if anyone has a need for prayer this morning, Lord, if there's something that you'd like uh, Rose and Jim to pray for right after the service, that they just come forward and let Rose and Jim pray with them about whatever their concern might be. Lord, we thank you for being with us. Lord, just watch over us as we go forth. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.